Welcome back to another episode of Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. And I'm excited about today's conversation. We are talking about, now it might not sound super cool at first, but we are talking about grace versus works and what actually saves us. And you think you might know the answer because maybe you've gone to church for a long time, you've gone to Sunday school, you've read lots of Bible studies, but it's actually a much more interesting conversation because it appears that scripture itself says two different things. And that's what we're talking about today. With me is Matt Cody. What's up, Nick? And Mitch Comstead. <laughs> Hi, buddy. <laughs> and uh, the reason we're, we're talking about this is we just did a sermon series. Um, well, we're still in this sermon series at Rocky. where We're talking about what's the deal with dot, dot, dot. Right. But w- one week we talked about what's the deal with grace. And uh, one week we talked about what's the deal with, it wasn't works. What faith. Was it? Faith. Yeah, yeah, faith. But uh, we were talking about um, James, brother yep. Jesus, and some of the things he says. So we're going to get into that. But what happened was we were in a meeting talking about what we were going to cover on a Sunday. Matt, you were you were teaching that week. Yeah. And we got into this 20, 25-minute, <laughs> yeah. not argument, but conversation. And I think, Mitch, at the end of that, you're like, we should record that. Because that's a podcast episode there, so that's how yeah, we got. There's to, a lot of good, lot yes. of good stuff in that. That's how we got to this this point where we said let's 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 bring this into a podcast conversation. So we are going to talk about it when it's fresh in our church's you know memory. We we just talked about that in the last uh, month. So this is. Can I set us up? Yeah. I mean, I've been talking a lot already. Yeah, we love it. Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, there, there's the, these two passages, and there's more in Scripture, but um, the Apostle Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament in the book to the church in Rome. Uh, So the book of Romans, uh, chapter 4, we'll just take verse 2 and 3 as an example. He's talking about Father Abraham, who had many sons. And many sons had Father Father Abraham. Exactly. (laughs) Matt, you did a great job singing uh, a couple weeks ago. So do you want to do a reprise real quick? I don't think we. I don't think that's. No, good. Yeah, we don't have time for that. No, no, okay. we was, don't. Actually, this, this does need to be a shorter episode, okay, Mitch? Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> Stop you have something else going on. Um, okay, so in 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 the book of Romans four, chapter four, verse two, it says, "For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness." This is the ESV version. Essentially, what this is saying is it it didn't have anything to do with his works, that he was considered righteous before God because of his belief in God. And then the book of James, this is the brother Jesus that you pointed out in your your sermon map. In chapter 2, verse 14, it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? I feel like he was probably yelling. Yeah, he was. At, the, at his computer when he, he was, was typing fired up, that guy. And then verse 17, it says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It seems like these two passages contradict one another. At the very least, there's tension here and there's conflict. Mm-hmm. So I just want us to chat about it. I know we don't have, like, this is unscripted. We don't have tons of stuff all planned out. But that tension is real. I've struggled with it from time to time. I think a lot of people have. So how do we want to get started? Well, yeah, I think you you have been saved by grace through faith. That's that Ephesians passage. I think it really, <clears throat> when you get into it with what James is saying, it and, and this is where there is tension because I think, you know, salvation is such a big topic, 
Yes. You know, it's a I, big deal. Big deal. We all we worry about it from time yeah, to time. Yeah, we're talking about eternity here. So there are I things, don't want to go to hell. Exactly. So there are things that 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 do lie in the balance yeah. of the conversation. And I think when we when we look at it, we I I would say yes to both, mm-hmm. and that's what creates tension. Mm. Is you know, I believe without a doubt, I can't save myself. You guys can't save yourself. If you could, there'd be no need for Jesus. So clearly Jesus is the one who is doing the saving. Yeah. I think then, you know, that that's Paul and, you know, grace, 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 you, you know, and receiving grace is, is tough. That's a whole nother discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but salvation is through Jesus and I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Then you've got these other New Testament writers and really James probably is the most vocal going, but if you do have faith, shouldn't you be able to see it? Mm. And I just, you can tell he's, you know, James is talking to, to a group of people that maybe say they have faith. And but they're yet, not, not doing anything, can't right, see anything. You, you wouldn't know it. And I think James is just, you know, again, the brother of Jesus. He, he grew up, you know, watching Jesus, saw Jesus die, some come back from the dead. I think there's something in his idea of faith going, man, because of what he saw, it changed his life. And, and he's just going, I, I don't understand. Maybe that's a better way to say it, James. I don't understand how yeah. you can say you have faith. Uh, you know, you say, you, you know, you have faith, but there's no works. I, mm-hmm. It's got to, you know, it's so powerful, so life-changing. I, I love the illustration you gave about being a Broncos fan. Yeah. You, you want to share well, it I again? just said, yeah, if you if you said you were, actually it was in the run-through, it was Mitch who, who brought that idea up. Good job, Mitch. Thanks, um, man. To so say, like, hey, if you're a sports fan or, or, you know, around here, if you're a Broncos fan, but you don't have any, you know, Broncos swag, you never go to a game, you never watch a game, you don't know any of the players on the team, <laughs> are you really a fan? I mean, you say you, it's, you can say you're a fan, but if you don't do anything that a fan does, like a fan's natural disposition is to cheer for their team. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not cheering for the team, are you really a fan? But there was something that you said that struck. Like, that's all great. But then you said, I mean, my dad was a fan. Right. And that's when even my wife next to me was like, ooh. I was making good. some <laughs> yeah, I was making but, some points in the context of football, but going. No, but, but that what it rang true is how many of us that say we are Christians, say we follow Jesus, and the reality is it's our parents' faith. Yeah. They took us to church. They believed all these things, and we're kind of like by proxy like, yeah, I believe those things too. So I pointed out two things, and really, it's funny you brought that up because I, I was saying something without saying something, but I used examples of, oh, yeah, I'm a fan because my dad was a fan. Yeah. Or I'm a fan, like, well, if they get to the Super Bowl, I'll cheer for them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll watch. I'll watch. So I'm making points there like, hey, there is a, a pretty large population of people who might say, I have faith. But if you ask them about their faith, they'll say, well, yeah, well, I, I'm a, I believe this because that's what my parents believe. Mm-hmm. Or I show up to one or two gatherings a year called Christmas or Easter, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I cheer at the Super Bowls. I, I think this is the tension that James is leaning into mm. and going, I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know if that's really faith. Oh, I mean, what if what if they had two different audiences, right? If if Paul is speaking to, I mean, he's using Abraham as an example, so he's he's talking to some Jews there and, and who have become Christians and is really leaning in and and like, look, all of this other stuff that you have once counted as this is how 
I receive salvation, Paul, I think, is confronting that um, and saying, look, it's not by all these other things. We need to focus on this, guys. And what if James is talking to an established church, maybe Gentiles, mm-hmm. um, who is like not doing, <laughs> they, they like, yeah, I have faith, but they're not doing anything with it. Um, and he's just trying to drum up like, look, guys, all these other people say they believe, but it's not just mental ascent. It's actually getting in the game and doing it. Yeah, so good. So you've got a group of people that are coming out of a law-based system. Yeah. yeah. With okay. tons of practices, yeah. tons of rules, tons of... Saying, hey, you can't work, you know, you can't work for it. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to receive it. Right. That's the tension that Jesus really into. <laughs> and then you come, <laughs> then you swing to the other side. People are going, yeah, grace. Grace all the time. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you got... James going, no, no, <laughs> no I mean, not. what, what if that is, I mean, it's hard to go back, you know, and, and see exactly who each of these authors is writing to specifically. But I think if we could, I wonder if that would be some of the tension I, there. I think it begs the question though. It's like, okay, so how do you handle that in a healthy way mm-hmm. in the context of our own faith, right? To go, no, I'm, I'm saved by grace through faith. Right there's there's tension there, and I, and I, I I just think it's, you know, because we we want to we do want to create a checklist, right, about what it to be saved. You got to do X, Y, and Z, and this is where we've gotten trouble in the church world, right? Because mm. we'll say, well, if you're a Christian, you have to do these things, yeah, and and then we start doing maybe the right things for the wrong reasons. Right, mm-hmm. and I think that's where we have become unhealthy. So I'm going to do the right things in order to get saved, right? Well, we, we wouldn't say it like that, right. but we would say, well, that's evidence of faith. Evidence of faith is what? And that's the church I grew up in, where I, w- you know, I would give you examples of what I th- was, you know, the ideology I was getting was the evidence of my faith is what? That I don't wear brand name shoes. Okay, keep going. That you right? burn... I'm wearing secular CDs. That's yes. right. That that's the ideology. That, hey, let's just let's go down this path a little bit further. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're getting excited. Now. I, I because I <laughs> we're was talking I about know. music. Now we're talking about burning. CDs. You said burning, burning. <laughs> I just CDs said burning. Are, CDs are discs that you yes. put in the car <laughs> and it plays music. Which or my, your boombox at home. Hey, or boombox. One of the first messages I I start I taught as I was getting teaching was the challenge was burning your CDs. Yeah. Okay, so that's an evidence of faith. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting that in quotes right now, okay? Because we're mm-hmm. we're saying where the church has gotten it wrong. I remember one of the big things is, well, one, you need to attend church every time there's oh, a yeah. service, right? Oh yeah. And growing up, that was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights. Oh yeah. But then I remember if you walked in that building with a hat on, mm. um, that that kind of signified you don't get it and you don't love God because that's dishonoring to God. So take that hat off. Sunday best. Right. Wearing, wearing your Sunday best. It was, it was a bunch of these things. And I mean, there's the whole, like, you don't oh, yeah. curse, drink, yeah, don't or drink, chew. Don't smoke, no sex. And don't hang with those that do. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So all those, those are like practices, right? Behaviors that if you do all those things, you are kind of proving your faith. And then we can twist it to where it becomes, no, that is why I'm saved. Because that's what differentiates my, you know, me from other people. That's why I'm saved. And all of a sudden it can twist into these like, are those bad things to 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 practice? Not necessarily. No, but you're right back into works when exactly. you when you think you're putting your faith into action. Mm. And you're right back into this is my checklist of stuff I've got to do. Right. It it's the same 
same idea. Like it's what got Jesus crucified. He's coming into a religious system that had a lot of rules, right, to control people. And then it was very clear who was in and out. If you follow the rules, you're in. Mm-hmm. If you don't follow the rules, you're out. Then Jesus shows up. He's you know. messing with the rules. <laughs> yeah, he's just going, lot. hey, no, no, no. You can be, you know, in in his kingdom, you could come out of a background of being a prostitute and still receive salvation, which would be foreign, mm-hmm. right, to any religious person in that day. So it gets that guy crucified because not everybody's able to get in. And so the religious system is is freaking out. In some ways, it was like Jesus entered in and things were really black and white to the Jews. Yeah. And he made everything gray. Is probably what they would say. Yeah. And I, and to the point of, you know, maybe the churches that we grew up in, that I remember thinking even along the way, I don't know if I fit in here. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling like these people are perfect. And, I, but I don't even understand some of these, some of these things. I mean, I remember asking my mom questions like, hey, can I wear, because when I was growing up, I've talked about this, but Tommy Hilfiger was a big brand. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, can you be a Christian? And where Tommy Hilfiger? I mean, that was a real question. Like, I, yeah, real question. I, because in the ide- ideology of what's being put in front of me, Christians don't do that, right? And I'm going, but I don't understand why. Yeah, I, help. Your me mom under- was probably like, because those are sixty dollars <laughs> jeans. Yeah, they're like, we're going to keep going to yard sales. That's sinful. Buy you some corduroys. So, I think that's you know those are the things you pick up on. But I'm, I don't know. As a young person, I'm also going. I don't know if I, if that's what it means to be a Christian. I don't know if I doesn't make be sense. A Christian, right? I, yeah. That those are the tensions that you start dealing with. And I think as you get older, you realize, oh, um, that's the wrong, that's the wrong kind of works. Right. I don't think that's what James is talking about. And there may be some people listening right now that are like, what are you talking about? Like, well, that that's ridiculous. That's but I think this can trend in any any cultural group that you have. Let's say you are a follower of Jesus, but you are really maybe you're liberal in your politics. Maybe you're you're really big on protecting the earth, right? And and very environmental. You could be saying to yourself, "How could anyone be a Christian and not drive an electric vehicle right now?" Oh yeah, right. Like you can put it in all kinds of categories where it's like this represents something so important to me that if you don't value that same thing, how in the world could you love God? I going back to football. I I remember growing up, our pastor was from England, and Super Bowl Sunday. Because we had service, you know, Sunday nights. I remember mm-hmm. him essentially saying, if you're a Christian, you will be here tonight. <laughs> and I remember feeling that tension. Like, oh, man. and I went home and I remember chatting with my mom, like, are we, are we? Can we not be Christians are, today? Yeah, yeah, are we watching the Super Bowl? And she's like, oh, we're are watching we Christians or watching the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, you know, you know, it's like, buddy, I don't know if that's it. Right. I get what you're doing. You're trying to control people, mm. and you want people to come back. Mm-hmm. But is watching the Super Bowl a salvation issue? No. I, In case anybody's wondering. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then it was, you know, if you're a Christian, you don't watch the Super Bowl commercials. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of rules. Yeah. So it's just, you know, every okay. generation we come up with new things. I've you're right. We're good at that. Yeah. All right. Here's just a direct question. I'd love to know what you guys would think. Can you have faith in God? Can you be saved? Quote, quote. And not do good deeds. Sounds like a good question for Mitch. I'd love to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to go back and look uh, as, as you read through the New Testament and you look at, um, you know, when people accept and believe in Jesus, they, they 
do things, mm-hmm. right? They, um, Jesus calls them to a higher mission. If you think, I mean, the only example I can think of is the thief on the cross, right? He didn't have an opportunity to. Um, would he have? Yes. Okay, unpack that a little bit more. Who's the thief on the so, cross? Yeah, the thief on the cross. So Jesus, um, when he's being crucified, and there's a thief on the cross. There's two thieves on the cross, one on either side. And one of the guys um, was like, hey, I, essentially, I I want to believe in you. I, I, you know, I realize what I've done is wrong. And he's like, hey, Jesus, like, hey, today you're going to be with me um, in paradise. You're going to, you're coming, you're coming with me. And, and so then the thief dies on the mm-hmm. cross. And so then he has no opportunity um, to show that, to show right. his faith, to sh- to express it. Um, I, I think it's really hard to think that you could be, to be passionate about something and do nothing about that thing. Mm. And, and I think we have lost the idea of when we say we're followers of Christ, that we are passionate about what he, um, about what we have received from him. One of the quotes I always or, or phrases I always think about is it's recognizing what we've been saved from. We've all been saved from a load of crap and a load of stuff in our background. And, and I think recognizing the stuff that we have been saved from, but then also realizing what we've been saved to. We're saved to something greater. We're saved to a purpose. We're saved to um, a, a, a greater mission. We're saved to freedom. We're saved yeah. to peace. We're, we're saved to these things. And and I, I have a very difficult time thinking if we are passionate about something. So um, I love this app called Hoopla. And most people have never heard of this thing. And it's essentially a library uh, app and on your phone where you put in your library card and then you can download free books. Uh, you get four, four books a month or whatever. And you can listen to it. You can read it on your phone. That's cool. And I go around and I tell people about this about this. You're app. a missionary. I am a missionary for this app. You're finding everyone with an Audible membership yeah, I'm like, going. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. like, hey, come on, we need to do this. Like, it, <laughs> this is amazing. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, you know, anytime somebody's like, oh, I'm going to download that book. I'm like, hey, have you heard of this? And people download the download the app. It's the same thing with our with our faith in Christ. If we're really passionate about who He is, how could we not mm-hmm. share that thing uh, with other people? How could we not live out and have that deeper relationship with Him? Anything you want to add, Matt? I. Yeah, I'm with Mitch. I think there's two sides of it. For sure, when you read through the New Testament, you're going to feel the weight of both. I think if you didn't know, you know, if you didn't grow up in church, you're just reading, you know, these New Testament writers, I think it's really hard to walk away and go, um, yeah, you can have faith and not do anything. It, it, the more you read, the more you look at the, even the early disciples, the ones that were following Jesus, there, there was this idea of following and fellowship and you know, I was even thinking this morning for this podcast, you know, verses like Matthew 16, where Jesus is like, look, if you, if you want to be my disciple, you got you to gotta carry your cross every day and follow me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's action that is coming from that, the idea of following and, and believing. And so I think it's a really hard argument to go, 
yeah, I believe in God and I believe that Jesus saved me. And then there's no, there's nothing that would support that by how I live and how, you know, the decisions I make and how I spend my money and the relationships and how I treat people. I think that's really difficult when you start going into some of the things that Jesus talks about, you know, we talk about this a lot around here, but John 13, John 15, I know in my disciple how you love one another. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is setting some benchmarks that require you to live in differently than the world. And so to say, I have faith, but I, I don't apply any of those things to my life. It's a hard conversation mm-hmm. about faith. Now, on the other side, Jesus says some things too about people that are doing things, right? He sets up this scenario where he's like, hey, there's some of you that did this, 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 and this, but you didn't know me. It, and he's going, look, you can do stuff and not be saved, right? I mean, this is going to come back to relationship uh, with Jesus. And so I think that was that kind of point I was trying to make to go, look, it is, it is grace. I mean, it is that Jesus saved us, but there should be, you know, works or, you know, I was talking about fruit. Something should be following mm-hmm. your faith. There's a ripple effect here. And... But if you do all the stuff and you still don't know Jesus, well, then you, you don't have faith. I mean, that's definitely true. And we see, that's why I'm always careful in these conversations with people who are entering into faith because I think they want to get to work and they don't quite understand the relationship. Well, it is relationship first, and then it is the fruit of that relationship. It is, it is okay, th- now what is following that? Hey, I'm a Christian, and there should be a, a ripple effect of my life that is pretty evident that should be following that mm-hmm. that phase. So I, you start with it's, relationship, but that leads to kind of even what Mitch was saying. It is leading to something. Yep. Been saved from, but I've also been saved to. What? Yeah. And then, and I think Jesus says a whole lot about that that you just can't ignore. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a vertical theology in relationship, and then the horizontal theology mm-hmm. in relationship. Um, we are to love God with all that we are. And we are to love our neighbor as ourself. There is, if we are not loving the people beside us, essentially, how can we also say that we also love God? Yeah. And so, but we show our love for God as we love others. But where the Pharisees and some of these other religious leaders get it wrong is that they're doing it to prove to God yeah. that they are worthy to be loved by him. Mm-hmm. And to sh- to really point back to themselves, and I think that's the other sticky sticky moment. And I think that's what Paul was talking about in Romans four. Yeah, and and th- that's what what Sean was talking about a lot. It, in in because he was focusing in on grace, and one of the things that he said that was uh, that I took away was grace cannot be achieved; it has to be received. And I think this is we're going to have a, a tension with this probably for the rest of our lives. You know, one minute we we get we get it. God, thank you so much for having grace towards me. You, only by your grace could you forgive me. And, and then you're like, and, you know, I, w- I want to live this out. I'm motivated by you. And you start, we start doing good practices, incorporating those more and more into our lives. And then after a while, we might start losing touch with the motivation. And it's like, well, it's these things that make me a good person. And it's like, oh, you're losing sight. You're losing sight. Mm-hmm. Mitch, you were talking about kind of our relationship to grace and how each person might have their own journey and, and own difficulty when it comes to accepting grace. I thought it was really interesting. And obviously you're, you're one of the, the, the people on our, our team 
that have studied the Enneagram a lot. Mm-hmm. And you, you wrote down some, some things when we were having some conversations about this as far as each Enneagram number has kind of a relationship or perspective on grace or difficulty. I mean, grace, and then also the relationship to faith and action. Okay. Yeah, it's not only the saved from, but saved to. So I would love to go through those because I, you know, when I read my number, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I, mm. I get it. And I think it's important for people to understand it's not just this, you know, clear cut, this is grace and this is faith and action for everybody and we're all going to experience it the exact same way. I think it's important to realize you, the listener right now, might have a specific difficulty when it comes to understanding grace in your life. But we want to be helpful with that. So do you mind just kind of walking through it? And Matt, pl- feel free to interrupt if you disagree. Oh, I will. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, I, I expect that. I expect that. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, I mean, real quick, the Enneagram is really nine different perspectives that we come at and view the world through. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just helpful to have that perspective and knowing that, hey, we all have a different way that we view the world, the way we view grace, the way we view theology, the way we view politics. And we bring that with us um, that is hardwired in us. And there's a lot of nuance to that. But And I would re- encourage, we have two other episodes, previous episodes yeah. that maybe I'll link in, in the show notes that if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you go back. You don't have to listen to it before you hear this podcast, but you, you want to listen to those as well. They'll, they'll give you a, a better picture of the Enneagram. Yeah. So for Enneagram ones, these are our perfectionists, our reformers, the people that want to change, change the world. Um, they one of their uh, ways that they struggle with with grace and and um, faith in action is they really want to show the world that they are good, that they are responsible, um, and they are the ones who follow follow the rules. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if you're an ideogram one, um, if this is this might hit a little close to home, but this is it's almost that Pharisee tension. Mm of, man, I want to show God so badly how good I am. Um, and it's, it's being very careful to not point that back to you, but really being able to release that to God. Enneagram ones really need to grab a hold that they have truly been forgiven of these things. They've been forgiven and they don't have to prove mm. that they're good. They don't have to prove that they're responsible because God loves them as they are. And you were saying earlier that you kind of suspect that the Apostle Paul might have been Enneagram One. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, interesting. Yeah, he. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on different biblical That'd figures cool. in the, in the Enneagram. Cool. So, um, yeah, so Enneagram Type Twos. These are our generous people, and uh, they they really want to prove to God that they love Him by serving Him and serving others. They think they know, like, hey. I already know what God needs. I know what others need and I want to serve them. Mm-hmm. And they what they need to realize is God loves you as you are. Before you can, before you begin to serve me, um, man, just know that I loved you. But they don't want to, Enneagram 2s have a hard time wanting to reflect on their own emotions and yeah. their own feelings. And so being able to sit for a moment and reflect on, man, God actually loves me. Um, and I don't have to keep trying and pushing and pushing and pushing and and and, and prove to God how generous mm. and loving and giving I am. Yeah, um, that's good. So our Enneagram type threes, the they uh, they think they need to achieve and perform for God in order for Him to love 
them. And again, in similar to a two, uh, they need to be able to sit and know that they are valued by God, even when they do absolutely nothing. Um, I have a practice that I often encourage Enneagram threes to do, and that's actually to sit and do nothing for five to 10 minutes a day and just recognize and realize and sit in that moment and think, even when I do absolutely nothing, God still loves me. Mm. And uh, so if you're an Enneagram three, uh, put, put that into practice because it, it hopefully will help you appreciate the grace that God has given you on a deeper level. Yeah. That's good. All right. Fours. All right. Enneagram fours. They, uh, they can feel like they will never be good enough to be loved by God or will never be like others who seem to be living uh, for God in an extravagant and unique way. Mm. And Enneagram fours, um, they really, they really want to make a huge difference, but they see everybody else making a, a big difference in the world and can have that envy towards others um, or never feel like God could actually love them mm-hmm. because they have something so broken and so deficient in yeah. their life. Um, and again, it's that recognizing that God loves you as you are. He sees you. He understands what you're going through. He understands your gifts and he cannot wait for you to show your gifts to the mm-hmm. world. And that there's not some secret, unique flaw that God, if only he knew, would reject you. Exactly. Because he already knows it. He already knows. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing surprises him. All right. Number fives. Right. Um, Enneagram type fives. They, they think they can either uh, figure out how to save themselves because they want to get in and, and, and dive in and research it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to know the Bible backwards and forwards. I'm going to know, know backwards and forwards. Yeah. I already know how to, how to do this. They also feel like they don't want to owe God anything. Mm. Um, they, Enneagram fives are very self-sufficient and they, they think, man, if I accept this, then I might have to owe God something. And that's going to require a lot of energy on my part. Uh, they may also research how to make a big impact, how to live out their faith extravagantly, um, in a big way, but then never actually put that thing into practice. Mm. Um, and so for an Enneagram five, knowing that God will fill your energy reserve, that God is there and you don't have to know everything in order to do something. Mm. Um, so Enneagram fives, take that. That's good. Run with that. Enneagram type six. Oh, Nick, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Enneagram type six, they can have a hard time accepting that God would actually extend grace to them mm-hmm. and questions if they'll ever be able to fully show God, how they love yep. him. Yep. Nick, has that been a part of your story at all? First, the first part, absolutely. The second part, maybe a little bit less as far as like that on the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's always this sense of a disapproving God. There's always this sense of God who's like, mm, not impressed or, you know, disappointed or, you know what I mean? Like you're not good enough kind, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Hey, you're a good singer. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. I'm filled up, man. I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Just kidding. Yeah, and, and I know we're spending more time on six, but it'd be cool to talk six, eight, and nine sure. because of who's in the room right now. There's also this element of, of like, okay, if God does extend grace, 
it's almost like I don't really wish I had to do this, had you know, had to extend you race, but I felt obligated. Oh. That's kind of how it, it can feel like sometimes when I'm not in a good space. Mm-hmm. Or that, like, I will save you, but um, I, I don't have to like you. It's kind of this mm. this sense. And maybe I'm just saying, like, <laughs> this is just, like, that's not six. That's just you, Nick, you know. Uh, but that's that's how it well, is can, it's felt at different times. Yeah, and I, I think that could be a six. Uh, it would be interesting to have um, several sixes on and actually yeah. have this <laughs> conversation. That's a good point. Uh, but as far as just yeah. in general with people, there can be this tendency of, like, are we okay? Are we okay? Mm-hmm. Constantly with people. Like, mm. ooh, like, uh, oh, man, I don't think that conversation went well. I need to circle back. And I just want to make sure that that person is okay with me, and then I'll feel at peace, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with God. Are you okay with God? Are you mad at me right now? And one of the things that an Enneagram 6 needs to recognize from God is that he is trustworthy. And you can trust him when he says, mm. no, Nick, I love you for mm-hmm. you. No, you are safe and secure in my love. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Yeah, yeah that's huge. Yeah. Awesome. All right, sevens? Enneagram sevens, they have a difficult time examining where they've messed up and where they need grace. And because they don't want to recognize the pain in their life. Mm. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that was a thing that happened over there. But I'm going to let's just go have fun. It's fine. Now. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fun. Let's like let's not focus on that. Let's focus on what we're doing now. Yeah. And when they get into the faith in action part, um, they are all in as long as it's super fun. And if it starts to get boring or whatever, they might pivot or shift or have to or, or want to change what that what it looks like uh, because they they really just want to keep having that that mm-hmm. fun. And so Enneagram sevens, they they really need to know that their contentment in their life can only come through Jesus. They can only find that contentment. They don't have to run from what was, and they don't have to keep seeking what could be. Mm-hmm. They need to figure out how do I just rest in the contentment that Jesus has for me yeah. today. That's good. Um, you know, my I'm, wife and I have this on, ongoing conversation that she's like, I don't know if I'm a seven or an eight. Like eight with a seven wing or seven with an eight wing. Because mm-hmm. like even some of the, as you're describing the seven and and I'm not trying to bash on my wife. <laughs> Go ahead. Say it. <laughs> But there is some of that, like when it comes to our, you know, our arguments or whatever, when there's tension, she is so much more quick to be like, can't, you know, can we just move on? Like, aren't aren't we good? Aren't we good? And I'm like, well, you didn't really apologize. Right. She's like, I mean, yeah, I did. I'm like, "Eh, no, you didn't. (laughs) 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 Anyway, sorry, Amanda. That's good. That's awesome. I love you. Uh, All right. Eights. All right. Enneagram type eights, Matt. Mm. Um, they can believe that they will prove to God how big their faith is by taking big action, leading big movements with a big vision. How's that feel? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I, it, it's, it's about um, I got to work for his approval. If I'm not doing something that's, you know, and the bigger it is, the better, you know. Yeah. How does that, because I see some of that in you that like, you, it's like you, you'll, you'll go after something and I'm just thinking like, that's bold. That's bold. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would have been, I wouldn't have gone after that yet, right? Yeah. So there is that connection to, it's got to be something big. Yeah, it's got to be bold. Some, yeah, or just a com- accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. I, I, some of that for me too, it, you know, that idea of my relationship with God definitely stems from my relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. The only time I felt like my dad was pleased with me was when I was performing well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I do fall into that trap of if I'm not, 
performing well, then he must not be pleased with me. Yeah. And um, but if I'm if I'm knocking it out of the park, then he's like, yeah, that's that's great. So mm-hmm. I I can go through these lulls, um, and I have a hard time not, you know, I do this in other areas of my life, but I just come out and like I'm doing this big thing, right? Because it it's self soothing for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing good. And then I'm like, why can't you keep your freaking mouth shut? <laughs> you're, not, every, you're not talking about the half marathon, Yes, I am a little bit. <laughs> where I'm like, why can't you just not tell people? Yeah. But I just, it's like, no, I'm doing big stuff. And see, I'm I'm doing good. I'm yeah. doing good. And yeah, that's, I fall into that trap. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Into the, to really, really prove that. It, one of the things that um, an eight needs to take to the bank from, from God and from Jesus is that even even in our weakness, and I know eights hate the idea of being weak in any area, which is why the anger comes out and like, no, I'm going to prove I'm not. Um, and it's kind of like that. I'm going to prove with this big thing. But it's actually being able to recognize and sit in that weakness and allow Jesus to make that weakness, that that struggle um, in your life, make let him be the strength mm. instead of trying to bulk up and hulk up um, on your own. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Type nines. Enneagram type nine. Um, they may appreciate the gift of grace, um, but they may have no idea actually how to put it into action. Or if they do have an idea how to put it into action, they may not think it's actually worth sharing. And, you know, I think throughout throughout my life, I've always appreciated God's grace. Um, I've always tried to be, you know, quote unquote, good, be a good person, do good things. Um, and so, and so I'm like, Oh God, thank, I really appreciate that. Thanks for doing it. Um, but, but I always have had a hard time knowing what is God actually calling me to do? Um, and I hitch my wagon to other people's visions Mm -hmm. and other people's ideas, uh, because I don't know. And it's taken a lot of self-work and self-reflection to actually not only figure out what is God calling me to do, but to be comfortable in what God is calling me to do, Mm -hmm. and then to voice to other people what God is calling me to do. And so all of those things have actually been big stepping stones for me throughout my faith journey and understanding grace and then also this action piece. So the grace thing, you're like, oh man, that's great. Uh, I love it. But then you just eat, you just undervalue what that that vision that you have from God as far as like this is how I'm going to live out my life. Yeah, and so it ends up just kind of coasting. Yeah, through life, mm. and uh, instead of trying to do you know the eight thing of like hey let's actually make a big impact here, um, and you know there's there are times throughout my life where I, I probably have devalued God's grace a little bit more than I should have, but really accepting. Um, accepting what he has for me and allowing that to be the passion that fuels me to something bigger. Mm-hmm. And, so, and it's and so interesting. It in you look through the, you know, the Enneagram, you know, numbers there and different perspectives from people. You see that the traps that are easier for some to fall into than others. And then also, again, I've said this in other, other conversations dealing with the Enneagram, but you just see how we tend to overvalue certain aspects of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm definitely going to be the guy that's, talking about works and let's go and you see there's other people that are going to focus more on grace and and you can naturally see how if we're not careful we begin to overplay the one mm-hmm. and and that's kind of the whole deal of the conversation that's how we get 
unhealthy. Yep. You know, it's, yep. it's the fullness of all of that. So I appreciate people that see it from a different perspective. It, it offers me the opportunity to go, oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I'm, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am, I need to be, make sure I'm doing it for the right reason. Yes. Yep. And um, it makes us healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a nine needs to hear that your voice does matter mm. and that you can have a vision and direction um, and spend time with God seeking and, and working that out. So let's do this. Let's, we, we're coming up on time. And uh, there's one other thing that I think would be good to talk about is, you know, James is talking about works, 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 works. And, and Paul was too. Um, but I, I know we get around to, okay, what are they talking about? And I think they're, what they're talking about is, is what we, we know as the fruits of the Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, the Holy Spirit, we believe, is, uh, comes and starts working inside of us. It's what offers the, the, the salvation through Jesus, but then starts working out these things in our life. And I think we get confused of what the fruits of the Spirit are. Uh, or we we start kind of, Andy Stanley would say, defining our own wins in our life, and this is what makes us good people. But in Galatians 5, verse 22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which also could be known as patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I think one thing could one one thing that we could say is, if we are lacking in any of these areas or multiple areas, it could be a cause or a, a pause, reason to pause and say, do, do I need to, to revisit grace and, and, and start praying to God to, to work more of these things out, right? I think what we tend to do as followers of Jesus is say, no, I've got fruit in my life. I read the Bible. I pray. Yeah. I'm involved in multiple Bible studies, or at the very least, I'm always involved in some Bible study. And I, maybe we can say I attend church, whatever. We start to sell these things. I journal. That's when I get digged on. I journal. <laughs> I journal. I hike through the mountains and appreciate <laughs> yeah, yeah. I avoid this and that. You know, I don't smoke, you know, cannabis. Yeah. And I don't eat cannabis either. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't smoke cigarette, whatever. We start saying all these cannabis? things. I'm just um, kidding. That's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we start saying all these things and it's like, you know what? That is not, those aren't fruits of the spirit. Now, some of those things might lead you to a place that you can understand God better. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, those things I just said. And I think we get out of whack sometimes. We're like, no, 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 there's plenty of fruit in my life. And it's like, that's not fruit. That's actually just, right now, you, those are things that could develop your relationship with God. Yeah. And then the works come after. Right. Or alongside. Yeah, these are potentially things that are going to help you. Yeah. When the time has come, right? There's going back to the race analogy, there's race day and there's all the training that comes along with it. And there's mm-hmm. ways and things you can do to help so that when the day comes, you go, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can perform in a way that I want and hit my time and pace and all that. I think we, yeah, we, we got to be careful because, you know, the opposite people say, oh, Nick just said it's not important to read the Bible. It's not what we're saying. <laughs> that's not what I was trying to say. And I think that's the tricky part. Yeah. Just saying, no, 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 these are the things that help produce Mm-hmm. And encourage the fruit in your life. Yeah. But if the if we define fruit as you reading your Bible ten hours a day, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that actually cuts it with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because again, Jesus going back to earlier in the podcast, Mitch is saying, look, relationship with God, relationship with people, and Jesus talks a whole lot about how you know you should be living your life and, and interacting with the people around you. 
So if we just stay in these holy huddles or I'm in a million Bible studies and, you know, I, I kind of made that argument on my week when I was talking about faith, even with James going, I think James making an argument that you should pray less and do more. And how many times do we get out of doing stuff and go, well, I'll pray about it. And I think if James was here, he'd be like, you don't need to pray about it. Right. But we self-soothe ourselves and make ourselves feel better because we go, no, that's a rep of praying is good, isn't it? And it's like, yeah, but to a certain extent because there, there should be fruit in your life. So if, if the idea is if you're always training but you never run the race, then mm-hmm. is your training really beneficial? I, I, I know too many Christians that when you look at their life or when you're around them, they don't seem like they're marked by joy. It seems like they are, or, or peace, it seems like they're anxious all the time. They're worried. When you, whenever you're around them, you're brought down because they're negative, right? Or they're complaining. Um, I know it sounds harsh right now what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is, this is what I see. And, and there are times, many times in my life where that's what, you know, I could characterize myself. They're not kind. They're not good to people. You know what I mean? Or they're only these things towards groups that they're comfortable with. And I think that is a real, there's a, there's a red flag there that we need to take a look at and say, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in my life? Yeah. And, and if not, I need to take a hard look. I don't think it means, well, you're going to hell now. You're not saved because, the, you know, I, I, I don't see it. I think it's just maybe what James is saying is, no, 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 time out. You've got to be able to see these things. And if not... You need to take a hard look. Yeah. James gives the example, you know, one of the ones he does there, he says, essentially, look, if you see somebody who needs something to eat and, and you've got it, you could help them. Feed them. And you pass them by, you know, and you go, brother, best on you. You know, that's it. And James goes, what good is your faith? Right? James is saying you're missing it. Yeah, you're missing it. You, missing it. That, that's, yeah, yeah. You could, you could have read your Bible that day. You could have prayed. You could have went, you know, you could have went to service. Mm-hmm. And James goes, but if that, if all that leads to that moment, and you, and that's the moment you can see that your faith is alive, you're exercising your faith, and you can just blow right on by that, you you don't get it. Yep. And I think as church people, we got to be careful with that, to be busy in things that are good, but then never exercise the the fruit that should be coming from that. And this is part of the problem that our culture would look at our churches right now and say, I don't really want anything to do with that. Right. I mean, John 13, though, does say, you know, they will know you are my disciples by your bumper stickers (laughs) and your T-shirts. You're so serious looking. (laughs) Yeah, he's very serious. (laughs) And, and, you know, your church attendance. You crazy, Mitch. No, no. He says, you'll know you are my disciples by how you love one another and how you serve one another. Uh, that's how people will look in and see and how how much more irresistible is the church when people can look in and, and see, man, I want to be a part of that yeah. because of how they are treating and loving and serving and caring and supporting one another. Yep. Uh, man, that is, that is the fruit of the Spirit in action. Yeah, I love it. Well, good conversation, guys. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Now, we should have been recording that conversation in that meeting, but, you know, it's a little awkward to set up a microphone, microphones and uh, we headphones in every was, meeting. We didn't know it was going to happen. Know. We didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah. But I think it's an important conversation. And, uh, Mitch, thank you for bringing Enneagram knowledge in there. Yeah, I think man. that's really helpful. So good. Yeah. Love you guys. All right, man. Peace out. Adios.
Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve you as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.